From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. And welcome back to the CQ Budget Podcast. Congress left town this week without passing the stopgap spending measure everybody's dying to get, but they still don't have a deal on it. So we want to talk about all the glitches still remaining to be resolved before we can make this happen. And joining me to do that again this week is Peter Cohn, tax and policy editor at CQ Roll Call. Welcome back, Pete. Thanks for being here. Good to be here, David. Thanks. So Steny Hoyer, the House Majority Leader, said maybe they can get going on the stopgap spending next week, but he's advising members to keep their calendars open for the last days of September and maybe even the Saturday, October 1st. It sounds like this thing is going to go down to the wire as usual. It's going to be a long, hard slog to get this done. Where do we think the pressure points are, Pete? What's? It seems like for all the talk, the biggest sticking point is still this permitting overhaul that Joe Manchin wants that is really tying things up. Well, let's work backwards for a second. So uh, they need to pass this by September 30th. So they have two weeks. Um, For anyone who's followed this stuff for a long time, as you have, David, absolutely, and and I have as well, uh, we know that these things tend to go down to the wire to the last minute. Uh, and we, we know uh, Senator Shelby, the top Republican on Senate appropriation, said as much this week. He said, you know, uh, any, any, all this talk about trying to get this done early probably is, is not the way it's going to go down. Uh, we know it goes down to the wire every time. So that's number one. Number two is there's not going to be a shutdown. When Democrats control all the levers of power, there really are not shutdowns because this is the party of government. And Republicans don't want to shut down either, frankly. Some may, some may. You know, I'm not, I don't. I don't want to speak for everybody. All right. Um, but you know, yeah, generally that's that's the case, especially with an election coming up, and Republicans are feeling pretty good about their chances in the House, uh, and maybe even the Senate too. There's you know some talk they've got about a fifty-fifty shot maybe in the Senate too. So yeah, they're, they're certainly on the part of the, of the leadership and the people who really are are interested in. Um, getting through to November to election day in November without, you know, creating a new set of negative headlines for themselves, there's a sense that they don't want to shut down. Okay. So we know that. So let's, let's work backwards from there. So what has to happen in order to get this done? It seems like at this point, there's probably a very strong chance that this environmental permitting issue is going to have to drop out of the CR. Okay. We know that because there's a huge block of House Democrats, almost 40% of the House, uh, of the House Democrats, don't want this issue intermingled with the CR. I mean, first of all, they haven't even seen the, the details of how it's going to work yet because that's being held close by Senators Joe Manchin, who's the prime mover behind this, and Chuck Schumer, the Senate Democratic leader, who's working with Manchin to try to, to, to live up to his commitment to the senator from West Virginia, which was made in order to get Manchin to sign on to the reconciliation bill, the Inflation Reduction Act. So we have that kind of commitment, but you know, the very key language in all of this has always been on this de- this permitting situation is that the commitment from the Democratic leadership was we are going to move, quote unquote, move permitting legislation by September 30th. 
Now, what does the word move mean? You know, it, it can mean any number of things. But what it doesn't say is the, there's a commitment for this thing to become law by September 30th. Okay. No, they can never promise what yeah. becomes law, but I mean, they were clearly promising a vote on the thing. That's, and that's fine. And they can have a vote. So if you're, if you're Speaker Nancy, Nancy Pelosi right now, this thing is a gigantic headache. You know, this, you know, you were never thrilled with the prospect of this thing being in this, being in the CR anyway. So her attitude and the attitude of the Democratic caucus is probably is, okay, let's see what the Senate can do. If the Senate can pass this, we'll take it up. Okay. Now it probably won't, she, you know, it probably doesn't have the votes as part of the CR. So uh, well, let's see what the, if the Senate can pass this separately from the CR. And then we'll figure out what to do with it when it comes over from the House. But don't tack it onto the CR, which is a must-pass piece of legislation, or we're going to get that partial government shutdown at 12, at 12 o'clock midnight on, uh, on October 1st. Could they just offer it maybe as an amendment to the CR so it gets a separate vote and then it fails until they've had their vote? There's probably a dozen ways to skin the cat at this point, and all the you know the, the leadership and is probably sitting down uh, you know, as we speak, trying to figure out what are their options here, because uh, it, you know it, they don't want to. They can probably let this conversation go on for another few days. Um, once you start getting into the middle of next week, though, the people are going to start getting pretty antsy to to get that text ready to go and get it ready for a vote. Now, conceivably, they could wait until. Um, the following week, the week of the 26th, but that really wouldn't leave a whole lot of time. You're going to have proceed. You're going to have procedural hurdles in the Senate. There's always going to be somebody in the Senate who's going to raise an objection. Who's going to say, okay, no, we want to dress. We want to have 30 hours of debate post cloture. We want to have amendment on X, Y, and Z. So, you know, it doesn't leave them a lot of time. So, but I think you're looking at probably at least another few days for this thing to kind of of percolate as they figure out, okay, well, what do we do about this permitting situation? Because once they, res- once they figure out what they're going to do with permitting, then all the other issues will start to fall into place because those are, are, a lot of those are appropriations issues that the four corners of the appropriations committees can sit down and figure out, you know, what are we going to do on disaster aid? What are we going to do on Ukraine? What are we going to do on pandemic funding, if anything, right? So, you know, those are all tra- the, the anomalies, which, which programs and accounts are going to get slightly higher rates of funding. Right. Uh, and meanwhile, the leadership will say, okay, uh, he'll look to the Energy and Commerce and the, and the Senate Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions Committee and say, okay, hey, where are you guys on the FDA user fee bill? You know, are you going to be able to do a, st- a, you know, a separate bill? If not, let's bring that over to the CR. So, you know, all these things can kind of, this is all the typical uh, negotiations that happen at this time of year with the CR, but it kind of, it's all just kind of on hold until they figure out, you know, green light or not on permitting. Yeah. We should remind folks, this is, this is Joe Manchin's big effort to streamline the permitting process for basically for oil and gas development is what he's interested in and make sure they could complete this mountain Valley pipeline. This project Manchin has in his home state of West Virginia uh, to run natural gas from West Virginia into Southern Virginia. Uh, that's his top priority. And he was promised to vote on this thing when he, when he voted for the big climate change and healthcare law. That- now, but you, you also got to keep in mind, there's also a, a li- lengthy list of renewable energy related products that are, have been it, stuck in various stages of, of the permitting process. Right, which would also be affected by this. And that's, that's the point that Chuck Schumer, the majority leader, is hoping will convince some of the more 
progressive side of his party to go along with this on the grounds that it could also speed up clean energy projects, not just oil and gas. Yeah. But that doesn't seem that seems like a tough sell, Pete. It seems like that's not holding much water with progressive forces. They see this as a major cave to the oil and gas industry. Right. Well, you know, what's interesting is always this is sort of the the classic divide among Democrats is you have Democrats who are uh, in centrist in swing districts and and states who are facing tough reelection climbs in in November. Those who are seeking higher office, uh, you know, trying to move from jump from the House to the Senate, like Tim Ryan in Ohio, from a state that's, you know, top 10 in natural gas production in the country. So Tim Ryan says, let's do this deal. You know, we want, he, you know, we want this. There are a lot of other Democrats who say, you know, from states like Nevada with solar projects on the hook here, you know, also with tough races coming up saying, you know, it's not, not such a bad idea to do this environmental streamlining legislation. And it does surprise me a little bit, Pete, that, you know, the Republicans have already put out their own permitting overhaul proposal led by Shelley Moore Capito, Manchin's counterpart from West Virginia. I'm not really clear on how much the capital proposal differs from the Manchin proposal because we haven't even seen the Manchin proposal. It does seem like the two senators from West Virginia should be able to get together if they really wanted to and come up with some compromise legislation here that both sides could live with if they really wanted to get a deal done. Yeah, but David, let me just stop you right there. So what's the first thing a, progr- a progressive member of the House would think when he, when he or she hears there's a deal on permitting between Shelley Moore Capito and Joe Manchin. Sure, progressives are going to be highly <laughs> suspicious of that, and, and including in the in the Senate. I mean, that's the quickest way to lose support from other Senate Democrats as well. So you know, there's got to be a compromise here that the Democrats can sell to their own constituencies. I mean, you've already got the environmental community up up in arms. So sure, are there members from uh, states in the Senate? And House who uh, would benefit from this this becoming law, sure, but not at the expense of of totally losing all their credibility with the the, the environmental uh, community and the base of the, of the parties. So it's a really delicate thing, and so that's why, from the perspective of of um, prop the leadership, probably even I'm guessing even Chuck Schumer and the White House are thinking to themselves, "Oh my God, what you know, <laughs> what do we get ourselves into here?" They were you know at the point where they were trying to pass. The reconciliation bill, they would have done anything at that point. I mean, they would have promised the moon to try to get that thing through. You yeah. know, if it didn't mean that they had to change. I mean, this was perfect. They had, they didn't have to change anything really at that point in the text of the legislation. You know, all the permitting stuff, you can't do any of that in reconciliation because none of right. that has has a score attached to all it. All they had so to do was promise a vote, buy, right? And they had a one pager. Yeah. From Manchin that, you know, it looked fine on that, that people could live with and say, okay, we'll deal with that later. No problem. We'll deal with that in September. <laughs> but the problem is here we are and getting the actual details. I mean, I think Manchin has said for three straight days now that it's undergoing technical changes in Schumer's office. Right. You know, because the, the details really do matter when you're trying to make this thing work and you're trying to sell it to members of your own party who are pretty skeptical of this. Let's be honest. I mean, 40% of the House Democratic Caucus, that's not, you know, that's not a majority of the caucus, but you have people who probably just don't know and haven't examined the issue who may have, may have problems with it. And, you know, and frankly, you've got um, most of the Democrats in the Senate 
are don't think it's such a great idea. Now, you know, there is the argument that renewable energy products would uh, projects would be sped up, but pipelines have this, you know, totemic, you know, uh, symbolism to the environmental community. I mean, you know, the mountain. You say Mountain Valley Pipeline, and um, you know the fundraising pitches go out. I mean, the whole thing is is just a a you know yeah, it's, it's a public a sell, it's right. a public relations nightmare if you're right. Nancy Pelosi and, and Chuck Schumer. And and frankly, you know, I mean, the White House has already taken steps. I mean, they could probably get the Mountain Pipe Valley Pipeline through without this legislation. You know, they can just kind of do things on their own at the administrative level. Yeah. Um, so you know that may be one way out of this. And, you know, like you said, David, earlier, just have some kind of a, maybe, maybe have a vote to, now the problem is uh, Schumer's already kind of sort of committed to including it in the text of the CR. So, you know, if Manchin holds them to that, then you kind of, you have to have a vote maybe well, to, vote to strip it out then. To I strip mean. it. Maybe they say, okay, Senator Bernie Sanders, Senator Sheldon right. Whitehouse, um, here's what we do. You guys, you have the amendment. Maybe, you know, that there's a potential budget point of order because maybe it's legislating on an appropriations bill. So you guys raise a point of order and it mentioned then it's incumbent on him to get 60 votes. And then maybe you don't, you don't get enough on the Republican side and the, the provision has to fall out of the bill. So you can call that the vote. Now, you know, is that enough? Could you sell that to Manchin as a vote on his proposal? Because, you know, the, the counter argument might be, no, you're, you, you know, this is, the, you took the cheap and easy way out. You, you, you know, you had a process vote. You, we're not voting on the substance, the merits of my proposal. So, you know, there's a lot they got to work through here. So we've got a little bit more time, but as it gets closer to say, you know, a week out from the deadline, there's going to be a lot of people who just think, look, this is just too complicated. Let's drop this thing altogether. What you you know? We'll give Manchin a vote, a separate vote somehow, and let's be done with it because we can't have the government shut down over this issue, which is not a must-pass thing. So the safe betting may be that this permitting overhaul will not be part of the stopgap spending in the end. And Pete, another thing that strikes me that is looking like will not be part of this measure is going to be the the request for COVID money, right? I mean, the administration's been making another pitch for over $22 billion worth of COVID money, which they had requested since last March, but haven't gotten. Um, and it's been a tough sell, and Republicans are highly skeptical of the need for it, at least right now. And it does seem as though, tell me if you disagree, but it does seem as though that's not going to be part of this package. It's, it's the, the votes won't be there for it. And they could easily make the argument, we can just wait a few months and, and see where we are on it then. I, I mean, we have not spoken with a single Republican you know, authority figure or me senior member of the Appropriations Committee that has said it's a good idea to fund more you know, unoffset uh, pandemic-related spending right now. And I mean, you know, it, it, let's see what happens if there's a real surge in, in you know, October, November. Because then we've got an omnibus coming up in December. And so that's another opportunity there. But right now, I mean, you look at those charts with the daily caseloads, and they're just dropping, you know, substantially uh, every day. I mean, right. I mean, the administration is arguing they need it to prepare for a new variant of the virus. And, and because they expect a surge later in the winter, they want to be prepared. 
Um, so that's their argument. But Republicans just say the other problem is Republicans know there's a lot of unspent money sloshing around in pandemic aid. That yeah, they- some of that some of that is a little bit misleading because you could have money being committed that just doesn't show up. I mean, there's sure. a lag. There's a lag between the reporting on that. Right. But they still think there's money they could tap because the administration's already tapped some. So, yeah, um, yeah, they found. I mean, they found the five billion dollars to pay Pfizer for the antiviral pills, right. which they are claiming they you know they had to have an emergency appropriation for. But they, you know, they were able to dig up the money there. But yeah, I mean, I, there's some. There's certainly something to the argument that that money doesn't it, is finite, and you know they don't have an endless pot of money they can pull from, and money is being committed, you know, to these programs. So there isn't an endless source, but. The fundamental issue is, and our healthcare team wrote about this this week, is that just, I mean, there's a, there's pan, a lot of pandemic fatigue out there. I mean, right. you don't, you know, if you look, <laughs> I, I kind of call it the Whole Foods test. If more, if, if you see more than 50% of the people in Whole Foods wearing masks, then you know, we're kind of still in the thick of things. But when, <laughs> you know, when, when they're, when you go to a Whole Foods and, and only maybe a quarter of people are wearing masks or fewer. Yeah, I'm not you seeing that. I'm not yeah, seeing I mean, mass, no. you can tell the pandemic fatigue is setting in. And, and yeah. I mean, the director general of the World Health Organization came out this week and said, you know, it's getting to, to be time to move move past COVID-19, you know, as, as a pandemic. I mean, you know, if the director general of the World Health Organization says that, then pandemic fatigue is really setting in. Now, again, who knows what's going to happen a little later in the year? I mean, you know, last year, Omicron, you know, blasted onto the scene on the, you know, Black Friday after Thanksgiving. So, you know, if we, something like that happens again, the, this certainly becomes a big discussion in the omnibus, no question about it. But I think, you know, I, but, you know, just to round out this, this discussion, there just doesn't seem to be enough time to get 10 Republicans in the Senate on board with a hefty appro- supplemental appropriation on offset for, uh, for pandemic relief. And then even on Ukraine aid and disaster relief, you know, those clearly have more bipartisan support. But boy, it sounds like Republicans are still fighting some of those requests, too. And Richard Shelby, the top Republican on Senate Appropriations, was saying he's not sure all of that is needed. He wants to see he wants to confer with the military on what exactly the need is. And then the appropriations chairman, Pat Leahy, told us that Republicans are fighting them on disaster relief, which I have a hard time believing, frankly. But he's saying they're resisting even Republicans who live in states that have been affected by disasters seem to be resisting the requested disaster aid. So there's a lot more scrubbing to do of this thing. Yeah, again, I mean, I think once the permitting situation resolves itself uh, in the next several days, then they'll, they'll get down. They'll be able to hammer out a, a supplemental package in, you know, in a matter of hours, most likely. But yeah, I mean, the Ukraine thing, I, there's going to be substantial support on the Republican side for military assistance, which I think in the request is about $7 billion. Okay. I mean, you know, maybe the, they dial that up or down a little bit. We'll see. But, um, you know, there, there are real questions about whether things like the Department of Energy request for a billion and a half dollars for... Um, to, to, to replace nuclear fuel that is not getting shipped as a result of the, of the war, things like that. There's questions about, you know, money to, to rebuild the strategic petroleum reserve after Biden's been draining it to, to you know, f- put more barrels of oil out there in the market to try to lower gas prices. There's a, a feeling that maybe some of that stuff hasn't been vetted or at the minimum, it can wait until 
they have a little bit more vetting and maybe deal with that in the appropriations bill later in the year. You know, it's just, there's a sense that why now? Why is this an emergency that has to be done right this, right this moment, right? So that's kind of, you know, the Ukraine situation. And then disaster aid. Um, I mean, the White House was very public that a lot of that money or, uh, you know, at least a couple of billion dollars is for disasters that happened in, in 2021. So I think there's a sense that um, they've been waiting a long time for this money. Um, do they have to have it right now? Um, you know, it, it, it wasn't an emergency enough for the democratic Congress to jump, to include that money in an earlier bill. I mean, these are, these are disasters that, that hit, you know, almost a year, a year ago at this point. So, um, you know, maybe some have been more recent, but yeah, some yeah. Go, may stretch back. Yeah. So, you know, maybe they do a little bit of the money, but I think there's a sense that, okay, some of this stuff, we just don't, we don't need, you know, a $47 billion supplemental is probably off the table as part of the CR. Will there be some money attached to it? Probably. But, you know, then they look at things like LIHEAP, the low-income uh, heating, heating and cooling assistance program for low-income families. I mean, this is, you know, Northeasterners from both sides of the aisle for many years um, have, you know, pushed for this. And you may even get some support from people like Susan Collins, Senator, you know, the Republican Senator, Senior Appropriator from Maine for the, you know, the idea of that. But do they do all of that? And, you know, does it, have to happen in this bill or can it wait? Is there enough money to kind of get through the winter and then backfill that later, um, you know, closer to Christmas? You know, th- these are the discussions that are happening right now. And, and they're the types of discussions that happen every time there's a supplemental uh, in play. So I think they'll get those issues resolved after the permitting situation gets resolved. Okay. And with not much time, I just want to say the thinking is this: they're going to extend current funding levels into mid-December, but they haven't even locked that in. And we did see some growing pushback this week from conservative Republicans who are eager to punt this whole thing into the into next year, thinking that they'll have a Republican majority in Congress. I don't think that goes anywhere, but they do sound increasingly antsy. And, and that might be another point of contention here is as they get down to the wire in terms of how long should the stopgap spending last. Yeah. As is his, his, as he can do like nobody else, uh, in American politics, former president Donald Trump, um, has inserted himself into this discussion as well, which is, you know, that's a headache for the Republican leadership because he's going to whip up the troops and, uh, try to get this, um, you know, going, going after Mitch McConnell by name quite a bit, uh, you know, just yesterday. Yeah, Trump is pushing to extend this into next year. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, there is certainly a, a you know, a core group of hardliners on, on, on the Republican side who don't want this to go into next, who don't want this to, who, who want to just extend this into next year because they think they'll be in charge of the House at least and maybe, maybe the Senate too. So, yeah, they got to contend with that. But, you know, I think our reporting bears out that, there are more. There are far more Republicans in the Senate who want to wrap up this year, you know, including you know a lot of people. There's a lot of deference to the re, to the outgoing to the retiring uh, members of the Senate, uh, including Senator Shelby and Senator Blunt and Senator Leahy, and and you know I think there's a sense that this is our job. Let's wrap up this year. Let's do our. And by the way, we we have a lot of earmarks that we want to get before. Who knows what's going to happen next year with earmarks, right? Well, so. Yeah. I, so I, I think, you know, it's a headache and it's a problem. And ne- the problem is going to be more, much more acute next year 
when we get into issues like the debt ceiling, that's going to be a real headache for the uh, Republican leadership. But you know, for now, I've, I just don't think the numbers are there to sabotage a mid-December uh, deal at this point. Okay. So that's where they are right now. A lot to be resolved. Uh, we will be covering it all for you, but that's all the time we have right now. Thank you again, Pete, for being here. Thanks, David. And we'll see you all again next time.